Hey everyone, welcome to The Path of Me. I'm your host, Wendy Hutchinson. And today's guest is Rissell Yu, who is a personal friend of mine. She is a Marconics energy teacher and practitioner. She also founded Junior Healers Academy. And she really is so gifted in all things energy, energy alchemy, which I can't wait to deep dive into. But first, we share a common history of um, having Asian Catholic parents. And that was kind of the main thing I wanted to focus on today, even though we are, you know, soul sisters, and there's so many great things we could talk about in the quantum, which we can do a little bit later if we have time or another podcast. But welcome, Rissell, and thank you for joining me today. Well, hello, and thank you for having me. It's such an honor to be here, and I'm excited to have you. Oh, so excited to have you. I wanted to ask you, because I know you've shared some things about your childhood that were really difficult, and I wanted to ask you when at what age were you aware that, you know, things were, were very uncomfortable emotionally and physically in your life, in your childhood? You know, that's an interesting question because I don't know that there was really an age where I recognized that it was uncomfortable because all my whole life was uncomfortable. So I didn't know what it felt like to be at peace until later in life when I was that felt normal to you then that was just normal exactly the abuse was normal the um negative self-talk was normal and so when I went out of that place and into um into into more of a a situation or experience where I was feeling happy like authentically happy and at peace and joy, that's when I recognized it. So I guess, you know, to answer your question a long way around, I probably didn't re- recognize that until I was in my 40s. And I'm like 50 years old now. So wow. That's- <laughs> wow, that's incredible. That's incredible. I know that our parents repeat what they learn. A lot of their um, lack of coping tools or their parenting comes from the way they were raised and it can be really difficult because they don't really have an awareness or a higher consciousness around the impact that those programs and patterning are having on us as kids and as children we don't really have the capacity to process or deal with um, what's happening to us in a healthy way. I wasn't physically abused, but I certainly had a lot of programs, um, that were passed down to me from the Asian and Catholic culture that were um, very limiting and painful for me to work through. But I wanted to ask you a little bit about, um, I know, I know there was a lot of physical, physical violence, and was that from like a very early age, like a toddler or? My first recollection of it was when I was probably around eight years old and we, we grew up very poor. My parents moved here from the Philippines and they struggled. They, they hustled, they worked hard to get food on the table, roof over our head. And so I remember this one incident when, I don't know if anybody, here remembers cream of wheat. I don't know. Okay. (laughs) And my mom didn't put any sugar or any flavoring. It was just hot water and the the grains. And I couldn't eat it. Like I would start gagging because it was so disgusting. (laughs) And um, I I remember, and this is interesting too, because at that point I started associating money with abuse like money is bad because she kept saying to me it costs a lot of money to get there we don't have a lot of money so you better eat it and because I didn't eat it she would smack me like physically abuse me with like a belt or slap me across the face and so at age eight I associated money as being evil an evil thing wow that's a huge negative association 
with something so critical to our survival, right? (laughs) Exactly. And it it made sense because as I grew up in life, I I struggled financially. Even after um, I got married, there was always financial burdens because it was programmed in my mind that money is not a good thing and that you work hard for it and it's still not going to be enough. And if there's going to be abuse, there's going to be bad things that result from it. So, um, so yeah, I mean, it started age eight and you would think that the amount of abuse that I would go through, and it was probably on a weekly basis Mm -hmm. that I would, that I would have been very, um, subdued. Exactly. Very passive. And in some ways I was passive, but I, when I hit my teenage years, I became very brazen. It was like game on. <laughs> it was. I'm so embarrassed. If my mom is watching this, I am so sorry. Because <laughs> <But laughs> she'd be like, yeah, that was her. Um, in, instead of backing off, I, I would challenge you know, I would question things. And I think that, um, that that's what helped me get out of that situation because I did have that awareness, that mindfulness at a younger age to challenge those things. And when you bring it back to the Catholicism, you know, we are taught these, these, um, these things, right. That aren't necessarily truth but we are forced to think it's true. And, and I would you don't have a choice either. You don't. I and used to ask questions and they're like, you do not question. Oh it. no. Yeah. The nun would be over. It's like, sister, you know, you're like freaking out. Like I'm questioning this. And like, you're not supposed to question that. I'm like, really? Why? <laughs> Why can't I question More questions? That? Yeah, exactly. It, it was, it was not good. You know, Sunday school was <laughs> never fun for me going to church was never fun because at that age, even, even in my, you know, 10 years old, it didn't feel right. It didn't resonate for me either. Like, and the hard part is, you know, it's really hard to be a square peg in a round hole. That's right. Because I knew in my soul that this wasn't aligned for me. Yeah but I had no choice. I had to go to catechism. I had to get communion. I had to get confirmed. I had to go to all these things that I hated going to. And I had to go to confession every Saturday. And then I had to go to church on Sunday and I hated it. I hated every moment of it. And um, I know that your rebellion was very difficult for your mom to handle. And I just need you to tell the story about, um, the exorcism. (laughs) Yes. Okay. (laughs) I don't even remember how old I was, but I had confided, you know, you think you can trust your parents, right? Not always. Um, And I would tell them that I see, you know, I'm talking to these things that are in my room and they go in there and there's like, there's nothing there. Right. And I'm like, they're right there. And so they would hear me talking to no one, like my imaginary friends. Um, and so one day the priest came over. I remember Father Benito. And he comes over and my parents like, Rachel, we're going to do a house blessing today. And I'm like, okay, that's fine. I didn't realize that we were gonna do this. And rather than going around the house only, uh, Father Benito would be like taking holy water and dousing me with it. And I'm like, what's going on? And they're like, oh, you know, doing the side of the cross. And I'm like, what's happening here? And I was like soaking wet, but nothing happened, obviously, because I wasn't possessed. Right. I, I, I had a gift and right. I realized, oh, maybe what I have is not a gift. Maybe it's a bad thing because now they have the priest coming over to, to pull to pull this demon out of me. And I quickly just shut that down. And even though I would have other experiences with sensing spirit and seeing spirit or hearing spirit, I never told anyone. And so it was like this silent struggle growing mm-hmm. up because 
I couldn't, I didn't know how to completely shut it down. And so I just walked through life and I'm hearing this and I'm seeing this and it's like, okay, that's not real. That's not real. You know, and, and I remember going to bed and, and wondering if I was going to be woken up by a spirit. Right. And I didn't, I lived in fear for so long until I, until I decided to just embrace it and take charge of it. What do you think was the tipping point for you to allow yourself to come fully forward? Because I know when, when we have gifts, like I, I never said a word. Oh, you're so smart. In my family. I did not. Like I knew. They would get. There would be no acceptance of that. And even when I came out, you know, which was recent, maybe 2000. 14 2015 I start to broach the topic wow it was not well received really no but it took me that long I was in my 40s to start to really take ownership of my abilities my gifts who I truly am my authentic self coming forward because you know my whole life I dimmed my light yeah. don't draw attention don't mm -hmm. say anything that's out of the ordinary exactly but that's how we you're seeing that's what we're told yeah because you know don't you feel like our whole lives we're always fighting to belong and to be loved and and um accepted and accepted like we fight so hard and what we don't realize because we're never given any sort of mentoring or modeling is that we're here to be ourselves we're only taught that we need to conform, stay quietly in the box and do what we're told. And you're so much like me because compliance is not a thing. I don't know what that means. I know. We're <laughs> just kind of rebels, you know? <laughs> so I kind of feel like we're really, um, it was really bold that we were able to kind of come forward yeah. and face the wrath of our parents or the disapproval by being who we are meant to be. What was the turning point for you? You know, I think the turning point was when, my, I have three boys. My middle one, um, because of my old programming and conditioning, I was not, I could have been a better mother. I could have been a better person. And my middle child uh, decided he didn't want to live with us, didn't want to live with me anymore. And he decided to go because I was married before um, and he decided to go live with his dad. And I had, I was so depressed and I felt like such a failure, mm -hmm. right? That, um, that I, I asked myself, like, is this it? Is this as good as it gets? Um, and so I remember, cause I was still praying at that time. Right. And, uh, and I, and I asked like, I don't understand what I'm supposed to do. Is this it? What, what do I do? And I was given a book. Um, it was actually a video too. It was, I don't know if you, you've heard of The Secret. Yeah. Uh, and that was, that was my gateway um, into spirituality and the unconscious mind. And I remember reading the book and I thought, oh gosh, it's, is it really that simple to just think, think something and then it happens? Um, so I tried it for like six months. I totally failed at that. Did not get anything, did not manifest, damn, nothing. And I'm like, that sucks. But what I realized, you know, because I didn't stop there. I didn't stop it, you know, because I failed. I was going to retreat. No, I kept moving forward. I'm like, there, then there's something I'm missing. You're something. a fighter. You're like, I'm going to, I'm gonna I'm gonna a total fighter. I'm like, no, I know that this is, I'm on the right path. Mm -hmm. Right. And so I started really deep diving into um, the secret and I found the secret that the secret didn't tell you. And it's not the conscious thoughts that we think it's our unconscious mind mm -hmm. that really program and, and bring to us our experiences so my, my middle son leaving me, that was my catalyst to really start um, finding my alignment, my true self and reconnecting with the gifts that were given to me that I had um, shut off or, or um, denied. 
um, and it was just like a trail of breadcrumbs. Mm-hmm. You know, the secret led me to crystals. The crystals led me to quantum energy. That led me to uh, Marconics, right? And so in a roundabout way, this, I mean, that's how I got here is because of, because of that horrible experience of losing my middle, my middle boy, you know, but I think our higher selves put us in those situations so that we can reach for something higher than ourselves. Right. And that's, now look at me, I'm here with you. So how awesome <laughs> is that? Well, I know we share a, a, a similar path in that we had a lot to unpack and it required a lot of vulnerability. Yeah. And one thing that Asians don't do is vulnerability. <laughs> no. Okay. <laughs> That's right. That's basically you're the weakest link and you're a failure. And if you're a failure, you're not loved. So that yeah. is something that is not that's pretty um, prevalent, I think, with our background, that we're programmed never to be vulnerable, never to let our guard down, always be on point, always look on point, and you know how to show up. Exactly. And you know, nobody knows your business. You, if you are having a bad day, nobody knows it. If you're struggling, nobody knows it. You do not ask for help. Ever. Asking for help is a sign of weakness. And then because you have to ask for help, then they're going to start, you know, talking about you and all these other things. So you're, you're really isolated. It's such a lonely road. And I'm speaking to all of you kids and adults who know what we're talking about. Because if you've been raised in the Asian culture, you know how hard it is. You're never good enough. Mm-hmm. You're being primed for Asian perfection. Uh And what we're taught is that our value and our worthiness is tied to whatever accomplishment we and marker we hit, but whatever accomplishment and marker we hit is never enough. It's like, oh, then you got to go to the next level. Oh, then you should go to grad school. Oh, then you should become a PhD. Then you should become a doctor or a lawyer or a dentist, you know? Exactly. Um, I don't see a lot of authenticity there. There isn't. Right? And I think it's because we were never taught to be ourselves. We were never encouraged to just show up as us. We always had to show up as the perfect daughter, as the perfect student, yes. you know, um, so that they could be proud of you. Exactly. So, because yeah. their their pride was a reflection that they did a great job. Exactly. Parenting us. And they could tell all the relatives what a great job they did. <laughs> exactly. exactly. It was never about us. It was never about us. And what was so striking to me was how unconscious I was because I thought that I was happy, but I was lost the entire time. I didn't even know who I was because you know what? I was whoever you wanted me to be. You want me to be the volunteer and be involved in BTA. I'm on that. Oh, you want me to be the um, swim team mom? Okay. I got that. Oh, you want me to be the corporate executive wife? I'm really good at that one. Yeah, that was fun. All these masks, and I could, I was such a chameleon, like I didn't even know I lost myself because I was just whoever you expected me to be. Exactly. And you know what's what was hard about that, at least for me, and I and I'm pretty sure there's a lot of people out there, a lot of women out there that can maybe identify with this, is because we put a label on ourselves as mother, daughter, wife, whatever. When we lose that label, like when my kids started leaving, um, I, they didn't need mom anymore. And because I was that for so long, mm-hmm. when mom, the mom label was removed, it's like, now what? Who am I? What am I supposed to do at this point? Because all I know is how to be a stay-at-home mom and like you, you know, be PTA secretary, mm-hmm. can, you know, be the driver so that they can go to all their sports events. Exactly. And- Exactly. Yeah. And, and when I it's think, just 
they leave it to us and it's like, oh, I don't know. I don't know what to do anymore. And then you feel so guilty when you do something for yourself. Oh my gosh, the guilt. Like that's a whole, that's a that's whole other show. Because <laughs> if you if you're gonna, if you're programmed for Asian perfection mm-hmm. and you're programmed to be what other people want you to be, the the messaging was that you have to always put others before yourself. My parents' expectations trumped my own desires. Yeah. Or right. whatever. My my boss's expectations, what whatever it is. Yeah. I was never shown that it was healthy to choose myself and put myself first ever. And if I did, if I did go to the mall, I was always buying stuff for the kids or my husband. Like I had such a low uh, sense of self and such a low or a high, I guess, unworthiness quotient. Mm. I didn't think I deserved it because if I took it, I was taking away from the family. So family first, right? So, you know, when you have kids, their needs were all that mattered, that they had all the gear, that they had the instruments, that they, you know, as I was trying to churn out Asian perfection and repeat the the patterns. And then, you know, here's the difference. My kids were like not having it. Wow. Absolutely not. Whoa. Like I'd be like, get in there and study for finals. Oh, we fought. Our house was a war zone. Like, I'd be like, get in there and study for finals. And I would just hear the amps like cranked up and all this electric guitar. I'd be like screaming. It's <laughs> like playing guitar, video gaming. Like, just like, oh you know, they were not having it. They were not interested. Interesting. And, yeah, and that was my middle. That was my middle child. They triggered me. They triggered me hard. And part of our soul contract that I realize now, having come this far on my, my soul journey and my ascension journey, was they, those two boys, basically saying F you when I was trying to shove them in that Asian perfection box, yeah. were the catalyst for my awakening. Yeah. That was our soul contract. And those triggers and the reinforced triggers of just being like, we're not doing that. We're not doing that. We're not going to pretend to be Asian perfection when the grandparents come, we're actually going to get in trouble while they're visiting. Oh yeah. Oh, that's great. That's great. Wow. Pause yeah. and goes, oh, your son is being suspended when my parents are there. I'm like, wow, I think I'm just going to like crawl under a rock now. now because you know the whole family's going to hear about this and there's going to oh. be all cars and all this talking about it and what a shitty parent I am and oh yeah it was so there's so much angst that I experienced and experienced alone because I didn't have anyone to talk to I don't know if you had similar oh yeah exactly I did for sure you know um my kids for the most part were fell into my pro because I was so mean. I was such a well, mean you scared them in. they were scared straight. Exactly. <laughs> like if I just said, you know, their name, they're like, yeah, okay, what is it? What do you want me to do? Um and my husband was the same way too. He's like, okay, just don't get angry. <laughs> I was horrible. But you know, I, I recognize that I was my mom. Yes. Isn't that the worst when you have that aha moment and you're like, oh my God, I swore, I swore I would not be my mom and the words would be coming out of my mouth. Exactly. That's why I didn't have any daughters because my mom cursed me and said, I hope you have a daughter that's just like you. And that's why I didn't have any girls, but my my middle child definitely triggered me. Um, But he was my catalyst. Right. Right. You know, so yeah, I, I definitely get it. And then later after the awakening and, and, and ascending and be becoming who I am and the better version of who, who I am, I look back and it's like, gosh, if I only knew these things earlier, maybe my kids wouldn't have suffered as much, but I know that everything happened the way it was supposed to. I mean, it's a soul contract, right? We're triggering their growth and they're triggering our growth. And there's the symbiotic relationship with all of our relationships, whether it's with our husbands, our parents, our siblings, our children, 
um, I also had those same regrets. Like I didn't start this path till my youngest son was away at college. So their whole childhood was a product of that programming. And now all this time I've been just modeling a different way. Yeah. And you know, they didn't believe me for a long time that I still wasn't trying to control them because their whole life yeah. I had tried to control them. Mm-hmm. And, um, I mean, now they know I'm just like, you know, it's your path, whatever. Yeah. And that was, that, that must've been really difficult for your kids, right? Because they grew up a certain way. They yeah. were programmed and conditioned that you were going to respond a certain way. And then all of a sudden you're like, it's your journey. And they're like, what? Yeah, exactly. And they're like, what's wrong with mom? Like what, what's her trip? Like what's, exactly. what is going on? Is she okay? Exactly. Like everybody was like, she's changed and we're not really sure about this whole spiritual bullshit. Yeah. And, and <laughs> you're no, like not on board with it. I'm like, no, I'm a better person. Trust me. <laughs> exactly. But in an Asian culture, we were told or taught that we can't change that there is no ascension, that there is no evolution, that this is how you are, and this is how you will be for the rest of your life, and this is how you will be known as. And so I challenged that because I stopped um, I stopped the anger, I stopped the yelling, I stopped the throwing and all these things. What was it like for you to kind of allow yourself to find inner peace and to just stop stop it you know just stop it all like what was what what was that transition like that must well, have my been- dad my dad still doesn't believe me he still thinks i'm the old version of me and so he's like ready for the battle right and i'm like peace love and harmony you know he's like <laughs> what <laughs> what's going on maybe know, should- they just maybe keep trying to come out home. when you keep stepping back like they keep coming forward and you keep stepping back and you're like and i'm oh. just you know it's like surrender you know what this is this is about you this this issue that you're creating is about you and it's not about me and i'm not going to pick up that ball anymore yeah. i have i have been picking up that ball all my life or most of my life and it was never fun i never wanted to play those games but i was forced to Mm-hmm. So to, to be able to step back and, and accept them for who they are, yeah. it just, it made my life more peaceful in a lot of ways, but at the same time too, created a different set of challenges because now our parents are trying to get us, well, my parents are trying to get me to be the old version, even though the old version really sucked. To be no, I think it's really hard because also they think they know you. Yeah. But they know the 18 year old version of you. Right. They, th- they think that's who you are. And I'm not that anymore. I'm so far. I mean, that was 5,000 versions of me ago that I slayed and let go as I, you know, did my inner work and inner healing. And one thing I realized was it was never about anybody but me. Yeah, that's right. It was about them triggering me for my own evolution. Again, a soul contract. And they gave me the tenacity and the strength and the um, attitude and the ability to stand alone mm-hmm. out front and have the strength not to care if people believed me or supported me or not. I wouldn't have this courage and strength if I had not been a product of that upbringing. Right. But you had the the know-how or the mindset that you didn't want to be that anymore and that you wanted it to stop with you. Like the abuse stopped with me. Yeah. Um, now I'm not saying I didn't discipline my kids. Of course I grounded them and I yelled at them, but I didn't abuse them. I never, I never hit them the way my parents, I, I don't think I, I never even hit my kids, Right. you know, because the abuse that I went through, was, it was really hard. It was, it was rough. And so I didn't want that. So I'm grateful, like what you were saying, um, you know, I am who I am because of them, because of their triggers, because of the lessons they taught me. And 
the um, the the what I didn't want to be. They showed me what I didn't want. Right. To be. So I mean, the programming was. It's like okay, we've lived that, and that's really not aligned with who we are. Okay. So I'm gonna I'm gonna go a different way. I'm actually gonna follow my heart. Yeah. Which was and never safe. like what? Yeah, what that, that was never a safe space. Mm -mm. I really longed to have emotional connection with my mom, like deep, like you know how you see these mother daughters that like oh that's that's all fake. They're BFFs. <laughs> trips. They bond. They just I know are so vulnerable, and they're. I'm just like wow. I wish that was you know something. <laughs> my mom's all business you know to this yeah. day I mean, she loves me i love her i love yeah. her deeply we have a very um beautiful relationship now most of my life i was just fighting for my freedom yeah i was fighting i was fighting for my i didn't realize that the my whole life i was fighting for myself yeah i was That's fighting true. to find myself mm -hmm. and i was curious what um how you when was the point that you actually realized I broke it. I broke out of that program. I'm not that anymore. What was that like to find yourself after all these years? Oh my gosh. I don't even, you know, I, I never really thought about it. That's a really good question. It, it feels like it just happened very, you know, the slight, you know, slight little changes and shifts that compounded became you know, who I am now. But um, all I can say to that is there was a, a there was a sense of um, so much release, lightness, when I surrendered to it all. You know, I've been reading books about surrendering, and I never really fully understood or, or felt what that could have been mm -hmm. um, until I was able to look back to see how far I've come. But I would probably say it maybe the last five or six years is really when I've noticed that shift that stuck, you know, that clicked into place and, and was really the beginning of my life Yeah, because I was living it for me for once instead of living it for. Is it hard for you to live it without guilt? In the beginning, it was really hard. And yeah. even now, I think there's still some moments where I feel guilty for maybe not doing more for something, but then I step back and it's like, you know what? No, it feels good to not do it. It feels good to do these things for me. So that's totally in alignment. And how did you change your relationship with money? Because that was such a physically enforced and deeply ingrained program. How did you alchemize that? That's pretty masterful. It, yeah, well, it was a lot of it was a lot of healing, for sure, healing on myself, um, understanding what the triggers are, and writing down some of the statements, and I would, I would check to see if certain statements resonated for me, like, uh, money is evil. Well, that rang true in my in my brain. So I cleared energy around me, so that money, I didn't feel that money was evil, but it took probably six months of consciously like, working on that exactly and when I when that finally took hold and I was able to clear a lot of stuff within six months I'm telling you yeah, I don't know hopefully I can say this I came into like a quarter of a million dollars within six months wow, what? and I was like this crap works you know <laughs> It's not all hype. Um, oh my gosh. And it just got better and better from there um, because money, for me, money's just an effect. That's all it is. Money's an effect for everybody. But well, it's all energetic, all. right? It's just an energetic exchange. And I think people focus so much on attaining money mm -hmm. rather than looking at it. Like for me, everything shifted financially for me when I changed my relationship with money, it wasn't currency. Okay. It was energy. Exactly. So for me, energy is always flowing. flowing. So I stopped being mindful of what I spend and I just started uh, letting go 
yeah go of money and i had some you know really pivotal financial lessons um to make force me to let go of money like about four years ago my dog had a really bad pancreatitis emergency and had to go to animal er and it was like four thousand dollars um because he had to stay there for three days and it was and i was like i don't care what it costs like i you know driving over there i'm like oh my god mike what's this gonna cost and then my dog is like dying in my lap on the ride and i'm like mike i don't care how much this dog costs when you were saving his life i don't care how much it is you know and i was just like here's my credit card whatever (laughs) you know i mean i have these life moments right life kind of presents these opportunities for us to let go absolutely whatever it is we're holding on to abandonment or money or um whatever whatever we're holding on to life is gonna keep presenting opportunities to force us to let go of it exactly and you really have your your faith is tested in those moments right and and i i think about the story jack and the beanstalk right they spent their last Jack spent his his last few bits of coin to buy these magic beans, but really it, what he did in that moment was he he walked in faith. That yes. That was going to be his, you know, because he did that, he was going to be able to help his family, mm-hmm. right? And, and what did his parents do? You know, my Asian parents, of course, they, they say you're stupid. That's the dumbest thing I've ever <laughs> heard. You wasted it. And I'm thinking, was Jack and the Beast, was it? created in the Philippines or something, <laughs> write it over there, because that's exactly what my parents, oh, you're so stupid, Russell. magic beans, even now, like I make a decent living, or I made a decent living, um, my dad says I'm a ghost whisperer, no, I, you know, I'm not like a medium, but I can hear spirit still, right, and I've made a good living, to, you know, with this, and my dad still to this day, doesn't believe that people will pay for energy healing for Marconics. He goes, those are stupid people then. You know, it's like, okay, well, they're all doing better. No, they're not Rastel. They're just lying to you to make you feel better. And I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Send more my way. You know, the old Rastel would have been wounded by that. And you're like, peace out, dad. Okay. You believe whatever you want to believe. Well, I told you that when I was, um, when I kind of came forward, uh, to tell my family, you know, I'm, I'm doing energy healing. They called my husband and they were like, do we need to fly out there Intervention. right now and put her in a, um, facility? No, I did not know that. Yeah. They were like, you know what we can, I think she needs to be evaluated. I think we're going to get on a plane. You just tell us we're there. We're there tonight and we can oh, put her in a facility. My goodness. And here I'm living like my best life. I'm just, you know, I finally found my life's purpose as a, as a life coach, as a energy healer. I'm, I'm changing people's lives. Like I'm getting so much feedback. People are flying here from all mm. over the country to work with me. And my parents were like, I think, and they probably still don't believe that. You know what? Well, I think now it's been so many years, and okay. they've seen my success. Okay. In terms that they could relate to, right? Like financial. <laughs> now. <laughs> I'm in <laughs> magazines. I get on podcasts. There's like something they can tangibly hold on to that says, "Oh, she's actually successful." <laughs> Um, yeah, she did a book tour. Book. She's successful, <laughs> you know. So, I didn't just write it in Kindle. You know what I mean? Right. This is like a real book. It's a real thing. It's a thing um, <laughs> that they could hold on to because it was such a foreign thing. It's like, no, you must be insane. Yeah, Obviously. absolutely, exactly. My my dad wonders how we're able to make the mortgage payment and the car payments. He's like, you don't have a job. I go, dad, I have my business. Oh, business is not a job. <laughs> I'm so confused right now. Talking to them, it's so exhausting talking to my parents because they're still- Well, asleep. they're in a very, um, t- you know, they're they're in AM radio. I they're, always talk yes, about, yes, you know, they are. 
right? We're in satellite. And if you're dealing with people in a radio, you might as well be talking to the wall because they cannot hear you. They exactly. don't hear you. And it's, it's right. hard. Yeah. So, you know, I've just learned to talk about the weather. <laughs> Superficial things. <laughs> I think we're safe, the kids, you know. Right. I'm not really, I don't go deep into the reality of my world. Yeah. Of, of energy alchemy, of quantum creating, of, um, you can't living in the quantum field Mm -hmm. and really manifesting and being the master creator of my life. I talk about, you know, the kids. My dog about them for so long, and then it gets so boring. Conversation, but we're connecting, you know. (laughs) (laughs) Take them shopping; they're fine. Now we haven't. We now we have a new baby, so I just talk about the baby, you know, the grandbaby. So it's you know safe topics. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Because if we ever got into a topic about me talking to dead people, you know, it's really funny because my mom. And dad would tease me about talking to dead people. And, you know, my mom was almost embarrassed when, when her and I would have conversations about it. Well, I'm at a party, <clears throat> a family reunion, and all of a sudden my mom, Rachel, come here, come here, talk to your auntie. And I'm like, why? I told them you talk to dead people. So can you do a group reading for everybody here? <laughs> what? What? You're the one that was like shaming me for doing that. Now, like all the, there's like 20 people that want to read. Yeah. So I think in their own way, they show their pride in us, but not necessarily to our face um, because they don't want us to get like a big head. But I do feel like, like they are, (laughs) they are like proud of us. Well, you know, I feel like we're living our best lives and we're showing them how to be, have courage and, and be authentic, right? Speak our truth and not be put in a box. Right. I've fought my whole life for myself to find myself, to heal myself, to elevate myself. And it wasn't going to come from pleasing everyone and being the person everyone else told me to be, you know, It had to come from me having the spirit that I have, you having the spirit that you have within you that was fighting for you. Absolutely. You know, to break free, to break free of all the, the programs and paradigms and all the, the bullshit that we t- were told were tr- was true, which wasn't. No. It wasn't true. Yeah. Here's a newsflash. You get to decide what's true for you. That's right. Oh, but don't ever say that to your parents or the church. But yeah, absolutely. Yeah, you have to choose you. And I'm going to tell you, it's so worth it on the other side to be able to be ourselves completely authentic mm-hmm. and free and um, work with integrity with the people yeah. that we work with and really show up for humanity and in service the way we're, we were meant to. Because yeah. we could have easily said, no, I'm just going to be in this box and live this very limited life. Right. That's true. And we, and we didn't even know that we were limiting ourselves, right? No. Because we were never encouraged to think for ourselves. We were only taught what to think, not how to think. Exactly. Exactly. But don't you feel like you got a lot of your inner strength from your childhood as hard as it was? Yes. A lot of lessons, a lot of experiences, you know, we, we don't know what it feels like to get up if we've never fallen. Right. So all my life I was, I was kicked down and then to finally stand up for myself, you can, you know, the difference. Yeah. You feel the difference. You don't know what good feels like if you've never felt bad. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I, I give my parents, you know, their due, their props. They played their role perfectly for you. Absolutely. Right. They did. And they're still 
giving me more experiences <laughs> for sure. Um, but now I'm able to laugh at a lot of it. Mm-hmm. So I think your detachment is, is masterful and, and being able to step back and understand that. I think having done all our inner work and clearing so much, we can see the programming and how it's created their responses to us. Yeah. It's not because they don't have heart. It's not because they don't love us. It's because they were programmed to view life through a very specific lens. Absolutely. And that's all they know. Exactly. And so we, I can't fault them for that, mm-hmm. you know, um, but I keep, I tell them too, you know, you have a choice on certain things. They're like, no, we don't. But that's their programming. <laughs> right. they, they think they don't have a choice. Right. Um, and so it's okay. Like you were saying, it's that detachment is the most freeing thing. I think it also gives us compassion. It does. You know, and what I learned too is we all, we all agreed to this. We all agreed to be these players for each other and triggers for each other. Yeah. And, you know, I think that was what allowed me to let go of a lot of resentment and anger towards different family members that I really hated in my life. You know, we all have those, right? The people that just trigger the shit out of you. I had relatives that were just like, I have zero tolerance for you. And even if my face had a smile, my energy was saying F you. Oh, yeah. And aren't you good at hiding like masking energy? (laughs) Could you imagine if they could, if they had our gifts? That would be dangerous. Oh, gosh. Be dangerous. (laughs) But I was able to finally sit down and go, wow, all of this every single triggered person triggering me mm-hmm. was a soul contract and an agreement that they were going to help me master this aspect of myself because right. they were mirroring my insecurities, my unworthiness, my whatever that needed yeah. to be healed constantly, constantly, constantly. And isn't it ironic how the moment we heal ourselves, it kind of fades, fades a little bit. Yeah. Absolutely. And, um, and when we heal ourselves, we unknowingly start healing the people around us too, because they respond differently to us because we're different. Right. I was going to ask you how your relationship with Steve has, um, changed through your evolution. It's a lot better. That's for sure. Cause I'm not the incredible Hulk as mm-hmm. often as I was. Um, but it, it forced him to change too. Now, he, this is what's interesting. Before, uh, before I detached, I felt like I, wa- I was going to change him so that right. he can evolve, so that he can ascend. And, and he fought me tooth and nail because he didn't want to change because I think he didn't necessarily believe me either. Like your kids, they didn't believe that you were different. Right. And the moment I said, you know what? it's your journey. You do what you want to do. I'm just letting you know that I'm going to keep ascending and I'm going to keep reaching for that better version of me. I'd love for you to stay in my life, but if not, no worries. And when, when that conversation happened with, I'm not going to force you to change because I'm not in the convincing business. I am living my best life. I am the happiest I've ever been. Um, but if you're not going to walk with me, I'm, that's okay too, right? But because of that conversation, he started to do the inner work. Right. He started reaching for the better version of him. And he's a completely different person than he was 10, 15 years ago. I think it's so incredible. And I had the same conversation with my husband. Oh, really? Like, you know what? that's okay if and that's the thing I think that's hard for them too we're not like angry we're not forcing we're like you know what there's just this level of surrender like I love you so much that I'll let you go if you can't if you can't entrain with me and walk this path with me and I'm not saying you have to be me you don't have to be on this spiritual path Exactly. But you it wasn't an open have mm-hmm. self-awareness and you do have to do your inner work. If you're going to walk with me 
and we're going to journey together through life. If you're not willing to evolve and ascend with me, um, we can't, the, the frequencies will just be so discordant that it's just not going to work. And so I'm so grateful that on some conscious or unconscious level, my sons and my husband have come together and done a lot of their own inner work. And we have come to such a beautiful place of unity and love as a family um, to a level I never thought we could get to. But I think when one person starts to heal, that ripples out, like you said, to the family. Yes, absolutely. And, and we attract different things. When we are a higher version of ourselves, we raise our frequency and our vibration. Well, there's better things up at the top. Right. right? It's the, you, don't want, you want to stay away from the bottom feeders. Right. Um, the drama and the chaos, right? Exactly. And, and even just a little bit of drama, I can feel it. And I just, you know, it's like, clear that. I don't, I don't need to be that. Obviously something's showing up. Let, let me take a look at it. I mean, I, I, I view challenges very differently now, um, as opposed to why is this happening to me? The question now is what am I supposed to learn from this? Right. What's the lesson in this so that I don't have to keep repeating it? Um, doesn't mean that I'm successful 100% of the time. But I think awareness is really, is really powerful for us because we can actually, you know, work and alchemize the energy of it. We know how to do that. We've been doing this for a long time. And so we, I, I know, especially for somebody who never did vulnerability, for me to go, oh, there's my ego again. There's that <laughs> again showing up. I need to work. I need to work this out, you know, um, was huge for me because I didn't, if you don't do vulnerability, if you're always armored up, you cannot move higher and ascend on your path. You have to get real with yourself. So real that you want to cry. Cause you're like, Oh God, I don't want to look at this. You have to have that willingness yeah. to see yourself. Fully yeah. and in the truth, right? And Not different versions. Own it. Honesty. Yeah, exactly. Own it. Very Which, true. Yeah, I didn't grow up with that word ego. It wasn't until, you know, past seven, eight years. And it's like, I, I just thought it was that waffle, right? <laughs> ego waffle. I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> so, I had no clue. <laughs> You're so funny. I'm so glad that we found each other. Yeah. I'm so glad that we have become friends and that we've been able to support each other on the journey because, you know, we were talking about this earlier. It's a solo journey. You finding yourself, you reaching for your higher self and connecting to your higher self. It's you leading you. No one can do it for you. No one can make the choices for you. You have to want it and you have to be willing to make the sacrifices and let go of all the attachments to align and connect. Yes, absolutely. And I think that's the biggest obstacle is people are holding on to all these attachments for whatever reason, whether that's it's right. programming or um, fear or whatever it is, you know, all those attachments are limitations. Yes, they are. And just because it's familiar doesn't mean that it's right. <laughs> I think know? people really fight for their limitations. They absolutely do. I, I remember the first coaching, well, maybe it was the second, I can't remember, when you coached me and I was telling you all these things that I couldn't do. And you're like, well, you know, yourself, if you, if you fight for your limitations, you're going to be able to keep them. I'm like, oh, that bitch was right. <laughs> I knew we were going to be friends. <laughs> I have like, you know, it's one of, one of my roles, which has been one of the hardest ones has been that I trigger people. Yeah. I trigger people hard and the people who are able to take the trigger and really look at it, elevate so much you know and they're the ones that that stay in my life and then there's the people I trigger that send me the like 
18 paragraph texts and are like, this friendship is over. I don't even mean to. It's like, I'll just be talking and all of a sudden someone's really triggered. And Mike's like, another friend. You lost another friend. I'm like, yeah. He goes, man, your your list is getting really small. I go, yeah, babe, it's me and you at this point and the kids and the dog. Are like dropping like flies because oh my goodness. you know they don't realize their triggers are their their wounds are their work they yeah. think i'm a bitch you know i'm not yeah. even trying to trigger someone i'm talking and my energy it's like energetic exactly exactly and that's okay you know what well yeah, you're I, still here so thank you I, yeah for now I don't know <laughs> until i piss you off. Next, next month tomorrow <laughs> <laughs> But I'm kind of used to it. I like, I've even asked my team myself, you know, myself at source. I'm like, why? They're like, you agreed to this. You agreed to play this role. This was, this was your path. And there's a reason. Yeah. You have to keep showing up as yourself and how people receive you is not your problem. It's not exactly. It's on them. It is. It is. I want to ask you to share some, some tools that helped you move through a lot of these really hard times. Gosh, you know, it's, I mean, one of the tools that I use is to, to detach from the situation. And I've learned to be able to look at the experience, not just through my set of eyes, but through other people's set of eyes. And even beyond that, like an observer's viewpoint, because each of our truths are different depending on how we're looking at it. And then always asking myself too, my higher self, what is the lesson in this? What am I, what am I supposed to get out of this? How can I evolve? I realize that the quality of the answer that we get from our higher self is dependent on the quality of the questions that you ask. Because Ooh, you that's asking, so good. Right? Because if you keep asking, why is this happening? Well, it's just going to keep happening more and more and more until you ask a different question. Mm-hmm. So I say, you know, probably the biggest takeaway for me was um, that detachment and under and believing that there's something down the road and picking up those breadcrumbs as, as you, as you, um, as they're being thrown out in front of you, you know? So. That's great advice. I think following the synchronicities and the clues is so critical. And that detachment has been, I did not realize how powerful that was on the path. So true. But to be able to zoom out, take a higher perspective, not engage, not react, step back, be quiet. That was a big one for me. I have a mouth. I have a mouth. I want, I used to love to fight and I'm going to win by the way. Oh, I was a fighter, not ego. Like my husband, I'm surprised we're still married. That man is very patient. He just knew, like, don't engage. You're, you will lose. Wow. You Good know? to know. <laughs> not like that anymore. Now, now I'm so. It, it took them all a while, like my kids and my husband, to really believe me. Like, I really, you can win. You win. Whatever. Yeah, and when when you do that, when you surrender for the first time, and you say, you know what, I don't want to fight. You're right, and they're like. No, because they're, they're expecting the battle. The program right? response, right? Exactly. They're like, well, why are you angry? And I'm like, I just told you I'm, I'm surrendering. I'm giving up. You're correct. Mm-hmm. And he's like, what? No, we're still going to fight for another 20 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> or it's like, it's okay. We can have different opinions. Like, yeah. you don't have to believe what I'm saying. It's all good. You know, whatever. I still love you, whatever. Yeah. And they like, still don't believe us. They're like, no, you don't. <laughs> it took a while. It took years, you know, to finally um, realize that this is who I really am now. Yeah. You know, yeah. well, I'm so grateful to you. Thank you for joining me today. I hope that we 
were able to share some tidbits of helpful information for my audience. My audience, thank you so much for being with us. I hope you guys have an amazing day. Be kind to yourselves. And I love y'all. Bye.